Good evening. Good evening to all the freaks out there. It is Sunday, July the 25th, right around 11 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Maybe that would be like, what, 5 a.m. UTC on July the 26th? Yeah, it's right around 11 p.m. here in Utah. And I'm just drinking my coffee because it's Pioneer Weekend, Founders Weekend. This is the weekend where those people came across the mountains. This is that weekend. I will drink my Folgers freeze-dried coffee and get bumps in my throat from some Drimulac disease in honor of the founders. Yep. It was hot today. It was Gumba Sky. Hot Gumba Sky. I'm told by the witnesses of regions 12 and 18 that there is some blue sky out there in regions 12 and 13. It's also the case that death, death zone, death zone, death zone. Death Zone 37 has been subjected to Gumulac Law. That means that all scrumbo freaks of levels 2 through 17, they got a right to go buy some fireworks. Can you hear those fireworks, brothers and sisters? We celebrate the time when Lord Horimulus rose up out of the volcano. He swore an oath to a partridge named Jim. We're celebrating the time when the Bishop of Scrimuli rose out of the swamp and said, Hello. That's what we celebrate on Founders Day. Clearly, I've read and understood my Utahian lore. Yes, I understand the secrets, but I call out the liars and the cheats and the demons. I call out the night stalkers of fear. I call out the fear-mongering freaks who sell you the monkey herpes COVID nightmare. I call out Ian Miles Wrong and Andy No Clue. Do you know the difference between a rubber cone and concertina? That's razor wire. Do you know the difference? between concertina and a rubber cone.
Do you know the difference between razor wire and a rubber cone? I call out the demons. I call out the dragons that get into your intestines because you drink the gumbo drink they sell at the 7-Eleven. I call out all the street wanderers, the harlots, the hookers, the pimps. I call out the UFO people who are traveling through space way too fast. I call out the government workers. I call you out into parade. I'll put you at parade rest in the burning sun. I call you out, you weird ghosts that live in the walls, that eat the spiders. I call you out. I call you out. I call you out, vampire priestess, covered in oils, so busty in beauty. I call you out. I've got a hotel room at the Motel 6, magic fingers in the bed. You can call me. What frequency are you on, baby? Are you dialed in to 5.6 gigahertz? Or how about 89.3 terahertz? How about 66.666? Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. How about 89 gorillion? Quadrahertz. I'm calling you out too, 5G. They say that birds are not real. There are people who say that birds are not real. There are people who say, have you ever seen a baby bird? Have you ever seen a baby bird? Have you? Have you ever seen a tiny burby wandering in the wilderness looking for its mom? Have you ever seen a baby bear swallowed by a giant hippo? I'm calling you out, hippo. Hippo, you suck. Hippo, you suck. Hippo, you suck. Hippo, you really suck. You really suck, hippo. I'd like to say nice things about the hippopotamus, but I cannot. I am meandering through the dark corridors of a burnt-out middle-aged life. I am suckling upon the radioactive tit of a tumor-ridden boar covered in gumptus grease and fungi and moose pellets. You look into the mirror. You look into the mirror and you say, Sir or ma'am, or both, Sam. You say, Hey, Sam, how you feeling? 
You're looking good. Pull in that belly. Hey, Sam. You eating vegetables? You brushing your teeth? You learning to... Are you learning pottery, Sam? Are you learning pottery? There are people who believe. There are people who believe. There are people, human beings, intelligent monkeys that believe that you can survive by breathing. They're called breathertarians. They claim just from the air, you'll get your protein. They say, just breathe it in. All the fumes have legumes. Can you believe breathertarians, baby? I don't see how that works out. I have thought on the concept of the breathertarian my entire life, and, and for the life of me, I do not see how that works out. I don't. I know there are people that believe in the concept that somehow, by breathing in the air, you'll breathe in some type of protein, mungus, and scrumpto fruits, and, and Jimuli and Sky Amoeba. And maybe you can live on Sky Amoeba for a while. Maybe you can live on Sky Worms for about three weeks. Maybe there are earwigs floating in the air laying eggs. What if there are earwigs floating in the sky, laying eggs inside your eye? say there's a tiny world and I'm calling you out tiny worlds they say that if you stare long enough at your thumb you'll see a molecule no you'll see a cell you'll see a cell and then you'll see a molecule and then you'll see an atom you'll see an atom they say, if you stare at your thumb for 30 minutes every day,
day you'll see an Eskimo living on an electron. That's what somebody told me in 1986. They say. But I'm calling out all the little Eskimos living on electrons looking at their thumbs. That's some kind of sweet crap. The infinite regress. You might as well take two mirrors and face them towards each other. That's what they say. They tell us these things about the world, but are they true? Are they true? They tell us about the heroes we're supposed to respect, but should we? They tell us that there's a network for the news, and if you tune into the news network, you'll know what's going on. They'll say, be afraid of those people. Those other guys are friends. They'll say, be afraid of that guy. But that other guy, that's our friend. And then next week, you remember that other guy? Well, he turns out to be a bad guy. He turns out to be terrible. We gave him chemical weapons. He used them on his people. Who would have thought? He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. This week's bad guy. Next week's good guy. This week's good guy, next week's villain, this week's bad country, next week's friendly country, this week's friendly poor country, next week's smoking crater in the ground, next week there's a smoking crater in the ground. You see those pillars of smoke? In the distance, you see those pillars of smoke in the distance. You have to ignore them if you want to sleep at night. That's if you want to get eight hours sleep. That gold they gave you, that gold they gave you, it's covered in blood. That gold they gave you is covered in blood. You take that gold, you take it down the street, you give it to a hooker, you give it to a hooker named Marguerite.
Don't they tell us a lot of strange stuff that's, that's supposed to be true? They tell us that, that in 1968, Bo Blimdok and Apollo Command Module orbited the moon. It didn't land, they didn't have a LEM, the Lunar Excursion Module, just the Command Module, and, and they orbited the moon. In 68, they tell us that in 1969, Bo they landed clever monkeys on the face of the silvery orb. They landed clever monkeys on the moon. They landed clever monkeys on the moon. They landed clever monkeys on the moon. These clever monkeys picked up rocks. They gave them away as gifts. The gross weight of clever monkey moon rocks weighs more than the Empire State Building. They say at one point during the Middle Ages, there were so many examples of the true cross of Christ in reliquaries across Europe. So many samples of the true cross. You could, you could have built a fleet of ships ten times over. That's right, they say. They tell us crazy stuff. They say, look at this. This is the true cross of Christ. Folks, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I testify that the Lord in heaven saved my soul, my wretched soul. But I also know that during the Middle Ages, that scheme with, with you know, the true cross, the true blood, that was a lot of, yeah, that was a lot of grifting, a lot of con artist stuff. And And probably if any of it were real, the Vatican probably keeps it in a vault someplace. I mean, I know that sounds overtly, grotesquely conspiratorial. Full disclosure, I'm a Christian, not a Catholic. I don't hate Catholics, but I also don't really love the Vatican. It's kind of like with Jewish people. I have no issues with Jewish people, but I'm not a big fan of the modern state of Israel. And these days, if you're not a fan of the modern state of Israel, Ergo, you must be QED and anti-Semite, anyways. During the Middle Ages, they say, there were so many examples of the true cross in so many cathedrals across the world that you could have built fleets of ships. That's weird. I mean, I'm just here drinking my Folgers. My Folgers freeze-dried coffee. This is not a commercial. You shouldn't drink it, probably, unless you're over the age of 50 and you no longer give a F. But they tell us a lot of crazy stuff. They say they went to the moon. And then one of the samples, um, I think it was one given to, like, Holland or something, maybe. One of the... Um, the samples of the moon rocks they brought back, they found out was petrified wood. So yeah, petrified wood. And you know, there's a lot of rumors about <laughs> um, various Apollo astronauts. I don't want to beat up on these guys like Buzz Aldrin. 
it's well known that he's been a kind of a drinker at different points in his life. Hey, so have I. So I'm not really going to do that and beat up on him. But he does seem like a kind of outlandish character. And you can imagine him handing out, you know, quarters saying, hey, I, I took this quarter to the moon. I took this silver dollar to the moon. And then you imagine him handing out these coins, these Apollo coins. I took it to the moon. It traveled with me in spirit. That's not what he says, though. He wouldn't say in spirit. That's what the lawyer says you say on, you know, during the trial. But anyways, I can imagine Buzz handing out so many of those silver dollars or whatever, those commemorative coins, that the gross weight would probably be in excess of like several Saturn V rockets. It's all very absurd. The one thing you can say about the great trauma drama of NASA, beyond the fact that it was more or less founded by Nazis and Satanists, the only thing else you can say about NASA is that it's just a big train wreck. It really is. It is a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside of an enigma. It is this grotesquely monstrous big lie machine within a giant lie machine. That's NASA. I don't know the truth about Apollo, but it does seem like a lot of trauma drama, especially when you get into the story of the, of the Apollo, I think it was the Apollo 1 disaster. Gus Grissom. What did, he, what did Gus once say? If we can't talk between two buildings, how do we, be, how do we expect to talk to the people on the moon? I believe he might have even said that on the day he died. That he was burnt alive. Maybe even assassinated. For having an opinion. Gus Grissom, um, Chadwick, I think, and I forget the other guy, but um, these folks died in this disaster in this Apollo capsule. They could not get out. The quote-unquote explosive bolts didn't work. It's funny. I've never read the book The Right Stuff, which you probably should read the book and not see the movie. But when I was a kid, I saw the movie, and they made a point about the explosive bolts in the movie like it was a thing. It's almost like the magic bullet. Like something about the explosive bolts needs to be your fixation. When I think back on, th on movies like The Right Stuff, for example, I think of it now like propaganda. I used to think of it as an art form and not propaganda mostly. But when I look back, it's like, it's not that just simplistic propaganda, yay America. No, 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 no. It's way worse than that. It's more like the propaganda of a reality that does not even exist. That they want to sell you something that, can, that might in fact be total crap. I don't know the truth about the moon thing, but it's weird when they say things like, we forgot how we went. That's dumb. You shouldn't have forgotten how you went or lost all those tapes. And if your argument is, well, Dan, government's incompetent, then I cycle back to how can you believe they went to the moon? I, I don't care about the Apollo 13 trauma drama. That was a made-for-TV movie that came out, you know, many years later. No, I'm not talking about Apollo 13 crap, but the reality that all of the Apollo astronauts, the ones that orbited and the ones that landed, made it back alive. They didn't die of cancer immediately. They didn't get killed by micrometeorites. Their rockets that were incredibly complicated controlled explosions didn't explode on them. I mean, if you go through all the variables of things that can go wrong with the systems as described, it, it seems like they should have basically lost half the people, but they didn't. 
And then they took this lunar excursion module that really does look rinky-dink. It's hard to understand how they maintain thermal balance for any amount of time, let alone several days towards the end of the Apollo program, a few days. It's hard to imagine how that battery system, I don't even care, fuel cell, whatnot, how did they do it? How did they produce enough energy to avoid being cooked alive or freezing to death? And again, I know you can send me an email. If this does go on the radio, this is the planetary status report. This is a wandering through my mind. This is Sunday night, but it could be Saturday night, and it could be WRMI 5950 out of Miami Okeechobee, the land of alligators, the land of Burmese python, the land of iguana covered in purple grease, the land of monkey herpes. Yeah, so if you're listening on shortwave radio, 5950 kilohertz, WRMI out of Miami Okeechobee, it's your good friend Dan, and tonight's podcast broadcast, if it does end up on the radio, is just a kind of random walk, if such a thing is allowed. Is it allowed? Can we still just randomly walk through the crap in our heads, the stuff that we believed was true, and in, in, and in the end didn't simply turn out to be false, but much worse, turned out to be a cognitive landmine, turned out to be an idea that took up space in a limited warehouse. It turned out to potentially be a time bomb, a psychological, mental, existential, computational time bomb. I don't know if we went to the moon, But it seems like the arguments everyone makes is the reason why they forgot, the reason why they say the stupid stuff they say is because it's government. But it seems like they like to avoid that when talking about how they got to the moon back in the 60s. It's weird. There's a lot of weird stuff about the moon story. I don't know what the truth is. I don't. I think I'm more or less, you know, somebody who should have been born in Missouri. I, I would say, show me. Show me. Prove it. I, I don't really want to see your mathematical formula. I understand how rockets work. I totally understand their efficiency in a vacuum. I don't need any of that. But just, you know, take me to space. Take me to the moon. After Lindbergh crossed the Atlantic, and I think it was 1926, but within a decade, I think, of Lindbergh crossing the Atlantic, you already had aircraft taking, you know, probably wealthy people across the Atlantic in aircraft within a, within a decade. Now think about the space program and think about Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and all the other mandarins of this lopsided neo-Stalinist corrupt economy. Think about those folks and all the resources they have. If what we've been told about space is true, it kind of seems like more people would have gone by now. I mean, currently the list gets to go up a bit. It's been roughly less than 600. I think with the, the, Dutch, the, Dutch, the Dutch baby and Jeff Bezos and Branson and a few others, the numbers probably go up because they crossed the Carmen line. I think it's like 50 or 55 miles up, which is great. They did that. But Shepard did that in 1961. And that would be like 60 years ago. So it's really hard for me to get super duper hyper excited about repeating a goal. And excuse me, let me repeat this repeating a goal that the government achieved in 1961. It seems absurd. I'm basically an anarcho-capitalist, anarchist, agorist. Call me what you will. I want to live in a free world. And in a free world, all things that can be done, should be done, people want to be done, probably will be done. And so if going to the moon could be a thing, that would happen. And furthermore, I believe in the black market. 
okay? I used to be more skeptical in the sense that I saw more of its dark side, but the reality is the black market can't be destroyed because the market can't be destroyed. You destroy the market, you destroy any chance at your society being semi-functional. Even the Soviet Union recognized the need for a black market. Tyrannies, above all, need black markets. If space were a thing and it were feasible, then it seems like we'd all be going. But it's either not a thing or it's not feasible because I don't see people selling tickets behind the Chevron. I don't see people saying, listen, you got a hundred grand and you show up here in two weeks at this location and you get to go to the moon. Because really at this point, a hundred grand should get you to the moon, in my opinion, if any of this crap is real. If any of this crap is real, for $100,000 to my good buddy Jim Bob, he runs a redneck rocket behind the Chevron. It's made out of turtle wax. That's probably not a great idea. No, but I mean, if it were feasible, you would have black market people. I've even thought on this, and this is not original because there's companies out there, JP Aerospace, um, the Raccoon folks up in Canada, I think. There's many companies out there um, working on the idea of using lighter than aircraft to get to the edge of space and then going from there. Something that a lot of folks don't understand about rocketry is that the exhaust nozzle is optimized to a level of air pressure. And so for the most part, it's hard to design a nozzle that will work well at all air pressures. I think Elon Musk has kind of solved that problem a bit, but for the most part, it's just hard to solve. And the other problem, even if you solve it, because I think Musk does have the adjustable, adjustable nozzle, so I think he has kind of solved that, so let's say he has. Um, even if you solve that problem, the other problem is the first 10,000 feet is a lot of work for not a lot of payoff. And so there are huge benefits. If space were a thing, I think we would have lighter than air, almost like little cities at 20 miles up. Because again, it's all feasible. It's all material science. Is it, is it big science? Sure. But is it impossible science? No. We could, I, I don't know why you couldn't have a launch platform for a rocket at 20 miles. Why couldn't you float a rocket to 20 miles? Why couldn't you float it to 20 miles and then move it around the planet using probably basically pressurized water ion drive type kick rockets, but the point is you could move it around, get it to the optimal position that you need to get it to for launch. There's lots of things you could do. I see zero evidence that these things are being done. I am 51 years old. I will soon be 52 if I make it. 2022 is right around the corner. 2021 was great. 2020 was awesome. 2022. It's right around the corner. Yeah, if I make it to 20, 2022. <sighs> I'm 52 years old. When I was a kid, we would watch the Jetsons. And we would see the... And I know it's a cartoon, but I was a kid, so F off. When I was a kid, I'd watch the Jetsons and I'd say to myself, well, that'll be pretty cool. When I'm old, it'll be like that. And, you know, some things are kind of like that. Some things have significantly improved. I will grant you that computerization has improved greatly. I would also argue that we're kind of in a doldrums. Nobody wants to talk about it. I think a big part of it is software glut, which is a big part of the national security thing trauma drama. But yeah, we're in a weird place with software and computerization. But the one thing that did kind of just accelerate and get amazing was the computer revolution. I got you have to grant that. But when it comes to things like flying cars and traveling to the moon and all these other things that seem like they may, they would have been liberating. When it comes to that um or for example, 
a house having its own independent source of electricity. You know how asinine it is? You know, people love to talk about EMP and how we need to harden the grid. But if we simply allowed people to manage their own energy use in a decentralized way, the grid would be better than hardened. It would be, yeah, decentralized, which means ultimately if one grid goes down, other grids don't have to because they're not connected. That's the way it should be. But what we've done is we've created these weird Rube Goldberg devices in our power grid, and essentially we've set ourselves up for failure. And I would say, yeah, thank you government mostly on that one. Yeah, I would say mostly thank you, government, for that. I'm, you know, I'm almost 52, and I guess I expected something different. And I'm not alone. I know a lot of you guys out there, brothers and sisters, you, you, were, you were kids in the 70s, you were teenagers in the 80s, you became a young adult in the, tw in the 90s, you found yourself staring into oblivion in the early aughts, and then in the last 10 years you learned how to tread water. And if you had a family, it was really hard. And you probably had to make compromises. And you might have even had to convince yourself that whatever favorite cargo cult was active that week, I don't care what the cargo cult is, call it house flipping, call it cash flow programs, call it multi-level marketing, call it weird crypto schemes. Whatever the soup du jour is of the day. We spent the last 10 years treading water. People want to pretend that it was just bang up wonderful. And if you listen to my podcast or don't, you can go to imsully.com and I think you'd search for The Stranded or Unconscious Skier. But it's one of the podcasts I did and essentially I explained it. Listen, if you want to understand the economy since the year 2008, up until, let's say, 2020, because after 2020, everything's bo-blimp-doc, everything's cray-cray, everything's poisonous spiders laying eggs in your ears. Yeah. No, um, I'm going to tell you how I think of the economy in the United States and worldwide since the year 2008 up until the year of Bo Blimp Doc 2020, and here it is. Imagine you're some ritzy ditzy software executive that lives in, I don't know, Denver, Denver, Colorado. You're, you're like a really fancy pants, ritzy ditzy. You're a ritzy, ditzy, fancy pants, executive VP. You're, you are a fancy pants, ritzy, ditzy, executive VP at a software company in Denver, Colorado. You're really, you got a fancy condo. You have a beautiful hooker girlfriend. She's got wonderful natural boob. That's what she tells you. But your life is pretty good. And this weekend you're going skiing. This weekend you're gonna go skiing. Because there's an underwear model ski tournament, female underwear model ski tournament in Aspen. In Aspen. And, and it's funny because it's partially funded by a hustler conference that's going on at the same time called Aspen. <laughs> 
Aspen. Basically, it's a brand new conference, and it and it, and it also involves a new product, a special kind of chair, a Vietnamese spin chair. You can buy it Aspen. Our executive VP is going up to Aspen to go skiing. It's Saturday. He's been on the slopes for hours. He feels great. He's excited to get back to the chalet where the hooker underwear models are probably wearing something sexy, getting themselves juicy for love pirates. For love pirates. Anyways, our love pirate, our skier is heading back to the chalet and decides to go on one more uh, ski run. And he gets to the top and there's no one up there because most people are heading in. The, the sun is going down, but it's beautiful. I mean, I've been skiing a long time ago when I was a kid. It can be beautiful, especially in late afternoon in the wintertime. And our skier heads down the hill, but he chooses the... the it's a color-coded slope system and the color black, which is not meant to be racist is the most dangerous. And he forgot when he was a kid the color code, so he went down the black trail. And it was late in the afternoon. And it's a bad trail, and he's trying to do the moguls and pizza french fry. And he does the best he can, but eventually he ends up getting to something that's a near drop-off. He tumbles, he hits his head against a partially uncovered stump, and he's laying in the snow in the late afternoon in the wintertime alone on the slope. He's unconscious, okay? He's actually in a snow bank, so if somebody were to ski by, they wouldn't even notice him because he flipped into the snow bank, that's where he, he hit his head. Basically, if you weren't right there, and no one is, and it's getting dark, you would not see him. If he does not become conscious, he will die. He has really great ski gear, but here's a little fun fact. You can have the best ski gear in the world, but if you just lay down the snow for eight to 12 hours, pretty much most of the ski gear you have or would wear is going to eventually transfer the energy and you will you will slowly die of hypothermia. It's kind of inevitable. It's something that's going to happen. Um, and he is in the snowbank and his snow gear is not that great. It was a sunny day, so he decided to go light. Okay, he basically has a, a very light sweater on, a t-shirt underneath. Um, his body is cooling down. He is dying of hypothermia. His extremities will die first. First goes the, yeah, the Midwest manufacturing. First goes that. Then goes IT. What about call centers? What about tech support? Here's the deal. This skier is slowly dying, but the skier's dying from the outside in as you do with hypothermia. You die from the extremities and you get frostbite. The point is the skier's dying, but the body is being smart and it's conserving all the juicy energy towards the core. And so as he dies, his brain is still operating. And in his head, he's in the chalet. He's with a beautiful woman named named Vanessa 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 St. James McGillicuddy. And she has a wonderful, like, D-cup firmness to her, which means she has a great personality. That is what being in Seattle was probably like from 2009 through 2019, for example. 
from your perspective in Seattle, especially if you were in, in, in some areas of IT, or at least certain areas of programming, um, certain areas of technology, flipping houses, if you're doing the, the quote-unquote right thing, you are like the unconscious skier up in the chalet with Vanessa St. James McGillicuddy and her beautiful boobs. You were, in, you were in a good place. But what you didn't realize is that the U.S. economy was dying from the outside in. You didn't see it because you never had to go anywhere to see it. You could live in your little insular world. And as your iPhone went from 2 to 3 to 6 to 12, your little world got smaller but also more entertaining, right? It was entertaining. That's the U.S. economy from 2009 to 2019. It is this stranded unconscious skier slowly dying from the outside in with a simulated fantasy in the head that everything's okay because really, from the perspective of the brain, everything is great, 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 great. It's really great. It is great. But the reality is the skier will die in six to eight hours. The reality is the skier does not have fancy equipment on as far as keeping himself warm because it was a sunny day and he wanted to be all really cool 1980s ski freak film and not common sense reality. The reality is he didn't have any safety equipment. He didn't have a warning flare. The reality is he doesn't have a whistle. The reality is he'll be dead, not in six to eight hours, but 90 minutes. But during those 90 minutes, he will think he is in the chalet. He will think he's with Vanessa St. James McGillicuddy, and he will think he's going to get lucky. And it's all crap. That's the U.S. economy prior to Boblimtok, prior to the monkey herpes, prior to the time of the sterile wolf apes, They tell us a lot of stuff, brothers and sisters. They tell us that the reality we've been fed will run like a perpetual motion machine. Ray Kurzweil will tell you that if you live another 20 years, Bo Blimp Doc, maybe another 25 years, Bo Blimp Doc, you'll be able to live forever. If you live to the year 2046, you will purchase your food from a store labeled food. If you live to the year 2046, you will buy your children at the children's store. If you live to the year 2046, you'll get cancer. If you live to the year 2046, you'll travel to Mars in a time machine labeled Hyper Trans Supersexual Magical Passionate Laser Beam Crystal Powered Fusion Drive of Sexual Excitement and Glimuli can you imagine 
Can you imagine living in that world? Can you imagine being alive in that time? Can you imagine if everything was true because it was true? Can you imagine living with your dignity and your sense of self-worth? Can you imagine controlling your destiny? Can you imagine using real money? Can you imagine a rocket ship parked in your garage? Can you imagine a condominium parked at 200,000 feet? Can you imagine if you open up your mind box If you open up your mind box, and if you're listening on shortwave radio, this is the Planetary Status Report. This is the Planetary Status Report, and this is Dan Sullivan, and uh, this is WRMI, out of Miami, Okeechobee, 5950 kilohertz. If those frequency hurts, those frequencies work, working for you. To provide an existential getaway car Powered by jet fuel Powered by passion Powered by French Bulldogs on 5950 kHz If you're out there And if you want the notes for this podcast broadcast Go to Delta Foxtrot Golf Tango charlie.org slash show notes that is dfgtc.org slash show notes and you pick the right date of the right show for WRMI you will hopefully get the right notes sometimes I'm remiss sometimes I fail sometimes I fail you I was supposed to swap out a show I didn't do it We had a rerun. I failed you. I failed you. I failed you.